Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. Stand with me if you would, please. Uh, you know, I just, lifting up my iPhone with my Bibles on here, I often do audio. And so, just want you to know I'm not lifting up my phone. I actually have the Bible right there. Just for the moment, I thought, I'm not, this is my Bible. It could be any other app, but this is my Bible. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again, never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I, I have a funny little story to tell you. Uh, one of our faithful members who does so much of our Bible stuff, Valerie, is like a daughter to me, and she does such a great job of, of helping us with social media. And last night, uh, she and Susan had this idea, why don't we put the confession on the screen? I thought, that's a great idea. I'm not that smart. I, I was so thankful for them. And then Susan goes, can you type it out for me? And I sat there a minute, and I went, okay, let me think about this. <laughs> you know, on Sunday morning, it just kind of comes to me, and then I'm sitting there all of a sudden going, I've got to remember this. And uh, it's funny how when you're put in that position that sometimes you forget. Well, we've been going over this series, uh, a pass- the, our passages to hit God's promises. Um, as I stated weeks ago, growing up in a, a church, a very uh, traditional church, I never heard the word promise or promises uh, from the pulpit. Uh, it was all about heaven and hell and everybody who was going to go to hell. And I fit, I had all the qualifications to go to hell. I mean, I checked them off the list. Yep, that's me. That's me. So every Sunday I would go to church. I would think maybe somehow, some way I can find a way out of, uh, of going to hell, that, that pathway to hell. And I had no idea what that might look like or how that might happen. And uh, because I had already resigned myself to if, if it takes what you say it takes to get to heaven, I don't think I have the capacity to get there. And uh, honestly, today, I still don't have the capacity to get there the way I heard it preached. Was It was my goodness. It was my good works. It was being perfect. It was never making a mistake. I, I was successful at all those things. I mean, I was doing all those things, and I'm thinking, there's just no hope for me. And so as a result of that, I lost so much of my passion and perseverance Uh, When it came to church, because I felt like there was just no way I I was going to be able to have a relationship with God because God didn't have a relationship with people like me. Well, when we go back to the story of Rahab, uh, if you've never heard this story, uh, she was uh, a resident of Jericho. It was the last fortress that Israel would have to conquer to get to what was called the promised land, what God had promised them. And inside that huge, massive fortress, that city, uh, just filled with with warriors, and just it was just huge. And inside that city was one little lady named Rahab, who actually was a prostitute. And for some reason, I never heard this priest that God would pick somebody like this lady to do something for him. 
And now, God wants to do that for all of us, and really the challenge isn't God and what God wants to do for us and through us. The challenge is us seeing God's point of view uh, versus our point of view. God's picture of us versus our picture of ourselves. And so often, we live in the past. We live not pressing toward the, the promises, but pressing away, uh, trying to push away the shame of our past. And I'm sure Rahab found herself in that position knowing that here these spies were coming to her house and, and asking her to help them or help Israel get through Jericho, and uh, she did so. But just for a moment, imagine what that might have taken. First off, we'd be asking questions like, is this real? Are you really going to use me or are you going to kill me? What's going to happen if I do help you? What can you do for me? And she actually negotiated a deal with them, which to me was one of the things I think that probably moved God because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. And she was exercising great faith that that these spies were who they said they were and that they would do what they said they would do and protect she and her family once the walls came crashing down. So today we're going to talk about perseverance, getting to the promises of God by persevering. Now, when I talk about persevering, I'm not talking about, you know, the things that you might say. I think perseverance may be the things you don't say. When you're persevering, it's not a time to go around and tell everybody, I'm struggling, but I'm going to get there. You know, a lot of people do that. They're going to talk about their struggle. It's been so hard. It's been so difficult, and things are so bad, and I hear they're going to get worse, but I'm going to make it. No, 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 no. Sometimes you just need to be quiet and say, greater is God in me than everything going on in the world. And people would look at you, so what do you mean by that? I'm just telling you how great God is. Because most of the time when we find ourselves in a place like Rahab where God really comes to us, wants to use us, wants to do something for us, we oftentimes, without realizing it, don't intentionally push him away. But we often do. Now, when I talk about this, I'm not talking about prayer requests. I mean, there are times you need to go to somebody and say, I would like you to pray for me. I want you to stand with me, and here's what I'm believing for. That's important. So I'm not saying shut up, but I am saying that we do have to watch the times that we're lifting up God and shutting up the doubts. In the midst of that, we must persevere. Well, a friend of mine wrote this. He said, the big life God wants you to have is on the other side of not caring what other people think. And Rahab, being a prostitute, could have easily said, well, I know what the people in town would think. I know what these people might think about me. It really doesn't matter what somebody else thinks about you. But too often, we hear somebody else's opinion, and their opinion rings louder in our hearts and minds than God's voice. And we keep hearing what somebody says we can't do, what we shouldn't do. And why we shouldn't do it. And, and let me just say this. There are many reasons uh, that they might give. And some of them might even be accurate if there was no God. But when there is a God who sent his only son to die on the cross so that we could continue to pursue his purpose for us on this side of heaven. You see, God's never done. God perseveres with every one of us every day. Now, some of you don't think that takes much effort from God, but 
He has to persevere through our doubt, our, our negativity, our, our rebellion, all the things that we may not intentionally want to do, but we end up doing because of our humanity. So I talked about resolutions at the first of the year, and I really was going to shift, but I thought, you know, no, this is not a time to shift from uh, talking about goals and resolutions because usually by the end of January, people have already considered quitting on their resolution or their goals. They, well, you know, I didn't do it in January. I've already lost a month. This is what happens. So I decided to continue this series because I really believe that the passages to our promise uh, are going to take some hacking and, and cutting away and, and working through issues in our lives to get to where we want to go. Uh, it's never easy to achieve the goals that you have. It's never easy to accomplish the thing God wants us to accomplish. It's never easy. If it was easy, everybody would just be doing it, but everybody's not. Once resistance comes, oftentimes perseverance leaves. And the book of Hebrews says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised when you persevere. And uh, there, there are things in all of our lives. Some of y'all have been so faithful to persevere a job for 30 years. And, and you know, some of you have done it with joy and realize this is what I need to do to take care of my family. This is what, the, what I need to do uh, to honor God with, with my life is to, to be committed and responsible. And that's good. Then there are others who persevere and have complained for 30 years about their perseverance. And what I'm trying to set us on course to do is we're going to do the right thing even if it, even if it hurts. We're going to do the right thing. And when you fall down, get up. I'll talk about that in, in just a little bit. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, 6, it says, in this is how the Message Bible, that's why we live with such good cheer. You won't see us drooping our heads and dragging our feet. Cramped conditions here don't get us down. They only remind us of the spacious living conditions ahead. It's what we trust in but don't yet see that keeps us going. You see, sometimes we don't see results very quickly. Sometimes the results just aren't there. One year goes by, three years go by, and, and, and we lose the strength of our perseverance. And, and it's very, very important that we persevere redemptively and positively, not negatively and, and, and critical and becoming bitter. You know, bless God, I'll get through this. And at the end of your 70-year marriage, you're praying she dies. Or better yet, he dies. It's like, bless God. I thought this guy would go long before now. And so that's not the kind of perseverance I'm talking about so that you can boast. But the perseverance I'm talking about is so that you can get the promises of God. And so in church building, uh, I mean, it's it, it, even on Sundays and building any church or pastoring any church. is It's like what you have to do. I have to get up every week. And I have to persevere when I don't see the things that I want to see. And, uh, you know, going through all that we've all gone through the last several years, we've had to persevere. I mean, thousands upon thousands and tens upon thousands of churches closed uh, in the last three years. Uh, and, and, you know, there were a lot of good men and women that, that fought a good fight up till that time. And, and they just got exhausted and tired. And, and, and 
it's not easy. You know, we didn't know if we would make it. We had to persevere, and, and we continue to persevere because the church has not come back, not just ours, but as a whole, the majority of churches have not come back to the place of uh, the pandemic, pre-pandemic. So, you know, we, we've started this thing with handing out cards because you say, well, why is that important? Because we don't want anybody to go to hell. We don't want anybody to go to hell. I was watching a clip from Tim Tebow, and I was actually at the game he was talking about, the national championship game. We're up to the national championship game. Uh, he had put on, uh, they, they had, you know, the blackouts, and then they would write on those. Different players wrote different things. And Tim, being a sold-out Christian, decided that one day he had this idea, I'm going to put some scripture on there, and he put Philippians 4.13. And uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he's telling the story that they, they, they went through their conference and they ended up paying for the national championship when he started putting Philippians 4.13. And he said Urban Meyer, the coach at the time, uh, was, was very superstitious. And so Tim had been praying about what to put on his blackout tape uh, for the national championship game because he knew everybody was going to see it. I mean, he's the quarterback. He's, he, you know, the camera's going to come up close and they're sh shooting these guys the blackouts and what they put on under their eyes. And so he went to his mom and dad and told them, I really feel like the Lord wants me to change that scripture from Philippians 4.13 to John 3.16. And his mother was all for it. And his dad said, well, son, as most dads are thinking like this, you know, you probably ought to talk to the coach, you know, and let him know what you're going to do. So he goes to Urban Meyer and he tells Urban Meyer, he said, look, coach, I, you know, I put Philippians 4.13 on. He said, but I really feel like the Lord wants me to put John 3.16. And Urban goes, Philippians 4.13 is what got us here. You know, he's freaking out, and, and Tim goes, no, no, that's not what got us here, but, and, but <laughs> you know, but it, it's just a good scripture. He said, but I want to change it, and Urban agreed. So, sure enough, I, I was at the game. They won, and uh, they won the national championship, and, and so after the game, and, and I believe it was the next day, it was sometime shortly after, uh, Tim's mom and dad, him, Urban Meyer, and a couple other guys had gone out to eat, and while they were out to eat, uh, Coach Meyer received a phone call, and uh, he said, i got to take this. So he took it, and he's going, uh-huh, 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 what? Wow, uh-huh. So he hangs up, and he looks at Tim, and he said, we just got off, I just got off the phone with our, our tech guy, and he said that 94 million people Googled John 3.16, and Tim said, I had no idea that many people did not know what that scripture was. So, you know, you persevere through difficult transitions and times that people might press, but Tim persevered, pressed through. As a result of that, 94 million people Googled, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, there are things that we have to, you say, well, is that perseverance? Yeah, it is, because Tim's having to struggle with what he feels like God wants him to do and what other people might want him to do and what Coach Meyer might want him to do. But the reality is when God begins to speak to us, not everybody gets on board. And we don't see oftentimes the result of that choice until after and maybe never see it. But we were not moved by our human sight. We're moved by faith in God. And so we hold the course and stay the course because of that. I think about the scripture in 1 Kings 18. And uh, Elijah had just uh, conquered uh, the prophets of Baal and, 
and he, he was so exhausted, and he goes into a cave, and, and he had prophesied there'd be no rain, and, 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 and he, his life was threatened, and a lot of stuff is going on, and, and he's all feeling all alone. And it says, he tells his servant, go look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked, and there is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. In other words, he's saying, all I see is a cloud the size of a hand, but my faith tells me I have persevered and God will not let me down. And he kept that servant going back. If I'm that servant, I'm going, come on, dude. I know you're a rock star. I know all that you've done. But come on, I've been there six times. And there's been nothing to see six times. Possibly you missed it. I mean, all these things. But, but Elijah kept, I'm convinced if he hadn't seen it on the seventh time, Elijah would have kept him going back until he saw what he wanted to see. Because Elijah saw it in his heart in his spirit, and he persevered through the criticism and through the difficulty. So I'm going to give you just a few things. You can write these down. Number one, set a concrete goal that you truly believe you can achieve. So I said we're going to build all of our goals and resolutions on four things. We're going to worship God in his house weekly. We're going to obey God daily. We're going to love God and others ferociously. And we're going to give to God's house generously. Those are the four foundational pillars that we're building these resolutions on. Why? Because any accomplishment or success or blessing without God really is not a blessing. In fact, some people who gain great wealth have great depression because they built it without God. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be disparaging toward anyone who's had that kind of success, and I, I hate it for them, but I've talked to many people that they have everything they want, but it's doing nothing for them. Because everything we have, everything we are, belongs to God. And when we honor God with all that we have, and we listen to God, and we obey God, then God, when God does bless us, we know why He blesses us. I was recently with uh, some people and there's one particular individual who is rather well-to-do. And uh, she owns her own company, and she's a friend of ours. And, and we were talking about uh, blessing. And she's always wanting to be a blessing to people. And there's one particular person that just kept saying no. And finally, I stopped, and I said, when you deprive her of giving to you, you're robbing her of the blessing that God blessed her with. So, because the Bible told, told us, Abraham, I'll bless you to be a blessing. So, whatever our goals and things that we hope to achieve are, they're not just for us. Our achievements, our successes, our blessings are to be shared with other people. But most of the time, we share our issues, we share our pains, we share our hurts. And please don't misunderstand. There are times and seasons when we go to somebody and say, I just can't pray anymore. I can't fight this battle alone. Would you pray with me? I'm not saying stop that. But I am saying this, that there does come a time when we stop asking and we start praising. 
In other words, if I've asked God for something repeatedly, I think my God would get exhausted going, son, you've already asked me. You think I'm deaf? I've heard you. So what I catch myself doing every now and then, I'll start praying, and I'll pray for something, and God says, stop. And I go, okay, I get it. Praise him. Praise me that it's already happened, but God, I don't see it. Praise me that it's already happened. Praise me that it's already happened. Because I've heard you, and I will answer your prayers, but you've got to put it in my hands. When we don't put it in God's hands, then God, it's out of his hands. Because we have a free will. And God's not going to impose himself upon the will that is filled with doubt. So I've, I got up this morning. As a matter of fact, I was up at about 4 a.m. And uh, I, I get up and I start thinking and I start praying and I start looking at my message. I start modifying, if you will, the things I feel like I need to modify because today's a new day. God may be saying something today that he wasn't saying yesterday. And so I try to tune in, and there have been times I've changed my entire message. I think my tech guys go crazy. I know you're not supposed to do this, but it's me, and it's what I'm going to keep doing. Because the Spirit of God is more important than what I put on the screen. And so what I need to say may be different than what I wrote a week ago. And so I get up this morning, and I start looking at all this, and I start praising God for things that I can't even tell you about because you'd think I was crazy. And then some of you judge me for other reasons. But there are some things that I've got on my head and in my heart that I'm going, God, I thank you for these things. And, it, it, you know, I haven't seen him in years, but I keep praising him. You know why? Because I know the day will come when God said, now it's time. It's time. It's time. And your time is coming. And it's, I'll get to that next week because I've already got that one laid out if God doesn't change it. So it says... We say, if you can't measure it, it's not a very good res resolution because vague goals beget vague resolutions. A friend of mine who is a consultant said, whatever you treasure, you need to measure. Whatever you treasure in your life, there has to be some sort of measurement to determine that what you treasure is working or being taken care of. And that's the reason that you write things down. As Habakkuk said, you know, write down the vision. Write it down. Run with it. I mean, make sure that you keep it in your heart. And sometimes that's very, very hard to do because we get distracted by everything going on around us. And, we, and the devil loves it when we forget. When Christians forget, he's like, wow, they haven't said anything about that in a long time. I am so repetitious, I want to wear God out. You say, well, that's not very nice. I don't think I'll ever do it, but it's sure fun trying. You know, the Bible says, I'm not the Bible, I said repetition is the mother of learning. Whatever you're repetitious with, whatever you're repetitious about, you will continue. That's how come when I say these verses or whatever I say up here, it's just repetition. And I keep learning that, you know, and, and, and I'm going to reinstitute this, the giving statement I think I've been praying about has been bothering me. As I bring my tithes and offerings unto the Lord, I'm believing for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, bills decreased, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord. I have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and when I run over that in my mind, I just keep thinking, we need to get back to that. The words that you speak frame the future you'll live. I, I know that religious people hate to hear this. They don't believe it. But life and death is in the power of the tongue in your mouth. And if you're mean to people 
and you, you talk mean and you're doubtful and, and you speak negative, you are creating an atmosphere uh, of blocking the blessings of God. Now, that sounds very harsh. You say, well, because what we want to do is put it off on God. I'm not, I'm not blessed because God didn't do it. No, we're not blessed because we didn't do something. It's real quiet when I put it off on our, us. But we have a role to play in our own blessing. It's not all God sitting up there, you know, saying eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I think I'll go and bless Mark Crow. That's not how God works. You know, that's just not the way it rolls. Mark Crow has to put himself in a position for the blessing of God to come. And, and so I, I've had people get mad at me because when people get negative, I address the negativity. And, and, and I understand there are times that we, people are asking for prayer or they're venting, the word venting. Some of y'all need to close your vents. You got way too many vents open. And you're just venting all the time. And I don't have a problem with some venting, some just letting. But then we turn around and say, okay, let's pray about what you just vented about. We'll close that vent. Because the reality is I know that God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. I know that I know that if we ask and we believe, I'm going to believe that we see the promise of God manifest in our lives. You know, I'm still declaring thousands of people. Thank you, Connie. I said, I'm believing for thousands. She said, no, 2,000. I said, God. Raising the bar on me. But I like it because every time I start doing that now, it's in my head. Don't believe for a 1,000. Believe for 2,000. Don't believe for 100 souls. Believe for 200 souls. Whatever. But, but we have to believe that. And we have to stand. And we have to have faith. And it doesn't happen. And I'll tell you right now, there will be people that will come into your life that if you're not careful will persuade you to give up your perseverance. They'll tell you, why are you doing that? It's, they're never going to change. It's just not worth your time. I can't believe that you put up with it this long. And you know, some people will have to get to the point of absolute misery before they change. So just pray that they get more misery. You're believing for them. But I'm telling you right now that God has not forgotten the wrongs that have been done to you. God has not forgotten those who have disparaged you. God has not forgotten about those who have mistreated you. And I'm not saying that God's going to punish them, but the consequences of our behavior are on our choices. And if people continue to choose to treat you poorly, you might have to even separate yourself from them. Secondly, don't fret the occasional slip-up. Don't, don't, don't fret it. Now, listen, here's, I, I, I just, every year, the first year, most people have a, their health. It's, it's not like going to church or whatever. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to lose X amount of weight. This is always New Year's resolutions. As a matter of fact, if you look and you Google it, you'll find that most people's resolutions aren't becoming millionaires, uh, getting a better job. Their resolution is, I want to get healthy. I want to lose weight. And, and it just is what it is. And so what happens, they start, and then they miss a week, and they think, that's just not worth it. Why? Because you went one week, you missed another week, and it's, what you have to understand is you can never quit. You persevere. You get up and say, I slipped up, now I'm going to get up. You know, it's, it's important that you not give up without getting up. Now, how many times are you going to get up? As many times as you fall down. 
it's, it's just really simple to say and harder to do. But when you slip up, get up. One study found that 53% of those who kept their New Year's resolutions for two years experienced at least one slip up, and the average number of slips was 14. Some of y'all said, well, I'm on 13 right now. <laughs> but what distinguished the people who managed to maintain their resolutions from the ones who didn't was that they plowed on. They persevered. Early slip-ups don't predict failure. It's a slip-up. Now, you're not a failure. You will fail. All of us will. But you're not a failure until you refuse to get up. You just failed. And so don't allow that label to get on you. Number three, reward yourself. S celebrate the small victories. Some people wait for the big victory. In football, if you have a great quarter, celebrate that quarter. But don't quit. Celebrate knowing that you can do it. You celebrate the fact that you did it. You can do it for three more. It's important that, that you not think. I mean, you know, we started this thing, this intermittent fasting thing. It's a little different than just pure fasting where you have a window of time that you, you can eat. And uh, it's, you, you don't eat for 16 hours, and then you have a window of eight or seven, however you want to do it. And the important thing is that, you know, there are times, and Susan and I started this, and she gets a little frustrated because it gets on the scales, and it's not what she wanted. And, and it's only been a month. And, and you'd think, well, after a month of eating like we eat, now it's, we can eat whatever we want. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. And most people eat because they're bored. They eat because they're in front of a TV. They eat because they don't have anything else to do. They just eat. It just seems just medicating. And, and so the discipline of fasting, be it fasting unto the Lord, whether you do like Jesus did, or any type of fast is a discipline depriving your body of something it doesn't need. In the case of fasting for the Lord, you're saying to your body, you will not control my decisions. The Spirit of God will. And you can only do that for a season. But when you start intermittent fasting, you can do it for a lifetime. And, 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 and you can experience this discipline that makes you go, yeah. And so it's not about just the loss of weight, but it's about the discipline. My body will no longer control my life. And so, very important that, that you celebrate those small victories. And, and what we do is we have, you know, we're, we're designing our plan. And we'll probably have one day a week where we just say, you know, because uh, I'm used to getting up having a great cup of coffee with creamer in it. Can't do that. I have to have just black coffee. So now I've become an oil rig worker. <laughs> or a mechanic. I've, I've done both where you just not an oil rig but mechanic where you just, you know, just drink sludge, man. You don't even know that coffee might have been there overnight. And if you can't drink it, you can't work here. You know, it's that kind of thing. So, uh, but, but changing some things up and then rewarding, we reward ourselves about one day a week or if we have a special event, we, we reward ourselves uh, and, and we give ourselves a, a little break. So it says... Uh, that people are more likely to keep their resolutions if the gratification is immediate rather than delayed. 
And one study uh, shows, uh, that supports this notion, researchers out of the University of Chicago found that immediate rewards predicted current persistence at New Year's resolutions, whereas delayed rewards did not. So you have to have some little reward. And uh, I, I had a, a dentist who was a purist, and, and, uh, but she would always say, no, no, you, you know, because you always try to lie, you lie to the dentist. The IRS and dentists, they're like right there. You know, and so she, I would always try to say, well, you know, and she said, no, 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 get a sucker on the way out. You know, but, but it wasn't, and she was a very holistic doctor. But she understood that unless you have some rewards, you will probably quit. And so never feel bad about adjusting, but never lose your perseverance to achieve and know what it takes to get to that goal. Number four, change your surroundings. If you find yourself slipping up, take the time to examine what triggered your resolution lapse. And you know what it oftentimes is? You have a friend who laughs at your discipline, and, and they're really good friends, and you start seeing them laughing and having a good time, and you lose your perseverance or your discipline because you're around people who aren't encouraging you. You need to be around people who believe. And that's how come, like, for instance, uh, Susan and I, uh, we, we talk because I'm like, if, if, if we don't both do this, it's going to make it twice as hard for the person who is doing it. So you, you have to have people that you know. I mean, it's easier. You don't have to, but it's easier to be around people. So if somebody you know is a really good friend, they don't go to church, I promise you it's going to be a fight if you hang around them regularly for you to continue to come to church. Or you're going to have to be really strong to make it difficult for them to not want to come to church. So when you leave today, you get a card. Every time you get around your friend, give them the card and don't say anything. Because here's the reality. The stronger and the louder will oftentimes win the battle. The ones who say, you're not going to change me. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship God. And they're going to say, well, we're going to stay out till 2 a.m. And you're going to be too tired. And you won't even know it until you're too tired the next morning. Some of you are watching from home right now. Then the last thing is, this is kind of what I said already, uh, find accountability. Use the buddy system, whatever it might be. Someone who can encourage you. The research-informed explanation is that virtually anybody can get through a couple of weeks with a neutral or even toxic environment, but that begins to weigh heavily after a period of time. So you're strong for a couple of weeks, you're strong for a month, and this is why I'm going to continue this. Some of you have already broken your record from last year. You've been to church three times. Instead of Christmas and Easter, you're already ahead of the game. But it does take effort to get up on a Sunday and be in church, to get up and come and worship. It takes effort. It's design. You have to design your life to get the life you want. Default will not work. You have to design it. And so when you start, and I'm pressing, and I'm doing this intentionally, and if I make you mad, I make you mad. Because the reality is, as a pastor and as a leader, I'm trying to get out of you the things that you don't even know are in you, and get out of you the things you may know that are in you, but nobody's encouraged you. So I'm trying to encourage you. I'm not trying to be mean, but listen to me. If you doubt for a minute that being in the presence of God on Sunday 
If you doubt that that changes anything, you need to try it and test it and see that when you get with other people, you are better than you are without them. When you get in the house of God, when you get in the presence of God, when you get in the worship of God, you get the word of God in your life, you're better than you are outside that. It takes effort, it takes perseverance, it takes time. It, it just, it's, it's one of those things, and I don't condemn anybody who doesn't come. That's not what this is about. But this is saying that I, I've talked to people who have a struggle getting to church, and they admit we need to be in church. We need to be doing better. There's no, not even an argument. They, they really want to, and they, but there are challenges that come up, and I get that. But most of the time, our absence is not a result of a challenge outside. It's a result of a challenge inside, that we have chosen other things over what we know is the most important thing is putting God first. Isn't it interesting that church is on the first day of the week? <laughs> Sunday, the first day of the week, that's when church happens. Why? Because we're putting God first. And when you put God first, you're going to get bumped up in line. Now, again, it's not because God doesn't love everybody the same. He does. It's just that not everybody loves God the same. It's not everybody trusts God the same. And I want to get you focused for this year because we're going to go to battle this year. We're going to fight the good fight, and we're going to see God not build only build this church, but build other churches, because before Jesus comes back, I believe there will be the greatest sweeping revival this world has ever seen. I've said it for years. He will not come back for a defeated church. He will come back for a victorious church that in his physical absence, we worshiped his spirit his person, we worship him knowing that he is present. And sometimes you may not feel like it, but do it anyway. Do it anyway. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for your perseverance, for your patience with us, for your faith in us. God, may we stand strong. May we persevere. May we fight the good fight as we press toward becoming the people you want us to become. The the passages you're making for us and that we're obeying you to get through those passageways to get to your promise. It's never easy, but it's very doable and it's very pleasurable as we honor you every day. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a prayer that will change your life forever. Not because I prayed it, but because you prayed it and you accept Christ into your life. As I've already stated, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And this prayer will give you that everlasting life. Not your good behavior, though it will change you to want to behave in a godly way. But it will change your desires, your passions, to, to look to God. And when you fall down, get up. I want everybody to pray this with me, and those of you watching online, pray it as well. Say, Father God. Thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer in-house, in just a moment, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage. And uh, 
as everybody else is exiting, we're just asking you to make your way to the prayer team and say, look, today I made Jesus the Lord of my life. They'll rejoice with you. They'll pray with you. And believe God that you'll walk this out. Uh, and so if you are in-house, we'd also like to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. 405-500-1310. Those of you watching online, please do that. And just put SAVED in your name. We'd love to hear from you. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.